Hell yeah. The Gaming Guru Podcast. Diesel, the best gaming podcast in the world. <laughs> It's the Gaming Guru Podcast, and you are probably listening to us somewhere in your hidey hole, quarantine zone, wherever you uh, listen to your podcast now that the world has end, ended. Uh, I'm Gareth Woods, but luckily, uh, we are coming to you live from our uh, bunker here, this uh, Fortress of Solitude, uh, joined by none other than Tim Lester down in Cape Town. How is the, how's the Rones going your side, bro? Hey, dude, how's it going? It's all good this side. I mean, like, uh, I haven't had to change my lifestyle like too much for, you know, quarantine vibes since I work remotely and we podcast remotely. Yeah. So, yeah. And we're crazy <laughs> introverts. So it's not like, you know, not like I'm missing people too much either. No. <laughs> yeah. So, um, wow. I just realized I hit uh, subtitles on and now it's reading everything I'm saying, which is just the fact that that exists is just crazy. What? Um, <laughs> I just want Skype can do that. Yeah, we're doing this free subtitles. What the hell? Okay, so yeah, that's um, amazing. The future is here. Anyway, um, it's obviously interesting times, man. This I have to say, you know, they always talk about how um, video gamers are prepared for the apocalypse because you know of all the zombie hordes and alien invasions we fought off. But I, I have to say, I never expected the end of the world to be this boring. Uh, I really had expected between, you know, what, global warming or a couple of years ago, it was all about meteors and, you know, um, international war or terrorism. I thought those were going to be the the reasons, not um, not the sniffles. I really didn't yeah, think right? that was I, the way we were going to go. I feel like, like, like this whole uh, round of um, apocalyptic hype has been very, it's, like the headlines are literally like, you know, instead of mushroom clouds, we're getting, look, if you've got a sniffle, stay at home and like don't yeah. shake anyone's hand. Yep. Although there's a lot of similarities I've noticed between what's going on and the um, the premise to, um, what is it? I am legend. Oh, yeah. It's like <laughs> uh, dogs can't catch it either. Um, this is starting to sound a little bit too similar to um, Where's Will Smith? Let's find him. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Make sure he's safe. <laughs> Well, Smith's um, already got his own bunker on a private island somewhere. Probably. Where he's um, so, obviously shooting the first season of The Smiths, which I'm holding <laughs> out for. <laughs> They've got to do well, it, man. They're such an entertaining family. Yeah, certainly um, Jaden with his Jadenisms. Certainly if, uh, if people, if aliens come to this planet years from now and discover his Twitter feed, uh, they, they might <laughs> think it's some sort of weird religion like this quote-unquote sage advice that he provides uh, for the masses. But uh, during your, during your um, quarantine, wh what have you been up to? So I took a bit of a sabbatical this weekend, so I wasn't really playing much over the weekend. But what I have been doing is um, I'm about halfway through Bioshock Infinite, but I've given that a yeah. bit of a rest because um, a new Path of Exile lo uh, League launched on okay. Friday. So I'm busy playing Delirium League. Um, really enjoying it. The new league mechanic is pretty cool. It's uh, it's kind of multiplicative with other mechanics, uh, previous league mechanics that they've you know that have gone coin to the game. It kind of like 
as soon as you activate it, it, it spreads this like foggy mist over your map and just augments everything in your map. So, okay. so don't worry, whether it's, I also have no idea what multiplicative means. Well, mul in terms of like, searching. you know, you, you, you come and you find a previous league mechanic, like let's say a breach or an essence. Yeah. If the mist, if the mist is over it uh, and it's covered in the mist, then it just gets like really intense and hectic and has like, uh, yeah, lots of cool rewards. So, uh, yeah, okay. I'm enjoying that. Uh, it's a good time. It's quite hard. It's a bit rippy, but it's fun. I took like time off last league, so I didn't really play any of Metamorph. And okay. like that kind of like three month break really helped. So, yeah. So like it feels fresh again, which is cool. Awesome. Yeah, myself, uh, I was saying earlier that uh, I would have really loved this quarantine if uh, it were my younger self, uh, being able to, without responsibilities, play as much games and binge as many series as possible. Uh, but obviously being uh, a parent, now my day is occupied with, you know, being a teacher. At this point, I also have to say the teachers do not earn nearly near enough <laughs> what they should be earning, having spent at this stage half a day <laughs> with my kid. I love my kid. I love my kid. I love my kid. But um, yeah, games-wise, it's a really weird mix. I'm playing Neo 2, which is rad. They did a lot of improvements from Neo 1. Nice. Um, and having just come off finishing Dark Souls 3, you know, which is arguably one of the, I'd say, better in the kind of um, you know Soulsborne type gameplay sort of thing, uh, and which Neo has, you know, a lot of people have said aspired to try and emulate. Mm. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty damn good. I've really, really enjoyed it so far. Uh, bosses are tough. Uh, it's everything you expect from a, a, a Soulsborne type game. And uh, in between that, I'm playing Doom Eternal, which is just, as we expect from Doom, fast and brutal and, um, you know, all those things and gory. And then um, I'm intersplicing those with uh, another really sick, gory, uh, kind of adrenaline fuel title, which is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Nice. So, uh, between picking lemons and fishing with my handmade fishing rod. Uh, Can yeah, think of nothing better, dude. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. <laughs> it's honestly, it reminds me of the days of having a Tamagotchi. We just like, yeah. you know, you, you don't play it nonstop. You kind of like do your things you need to do. So you like feed it and you collect some things, you do some chores and you check in to get like, the bits of cash you need, whatever, for your daily quests, and then you're kind of done. So you play it in like little stages. So it's, I don't know, it's probably like the perfect quarantine game, to be honest. You know, I feel like you're just you're keeping this digital life, uh, is keeping you sane. Uh, yeah, it's getting good review scores. I don't know if it's for everyone. I think that's been the the commentary I've I've kind of shared with people, going, you know, is it good? Yeah, if you like that kind of stuff. But I mean, a lot can be said for for numerous games in numerous genres. It's like, is Doom good? Yeah, if you like. You know, high-intensity, action-packed FPSs. If if you don't, you're probably not going to enjoy it. So I want to know um, what, let's say, what are the like most positive um, changes that you found from like between like Neo One and Neo Two? I just like how like, they improved. Yeah, the... yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, improvements. So I didn't play a lot of Neo One because like I really just wasn't enjoying it. So graphically massive improvements. I, I thought it was kind of clunky the first one, whereas it's much improved in this one. Um, it seems like you're less bound by kind of a for one the character, but also like the the play style. So in the first one you had various weapons, but they've really just like upped that in this one. Um, you've also got this. I don't know. Really what the name is, but it's like the like Yukai or the um or like demons or whatever, and so you can like 
morph into these different kind of like yunkai. I don't think I got the word right. I think it's yukai. Um, and they um, they obviously have like different abilities, which is a lot of fun. The one thing playing it before its embargoes have been up that's been tough is that just like a Souls game, you'll have an item which will be like, I can't think of one, like 35% to uncharted waters. And you'd be like, rad, what does that do? And normally you'd like <laughs> jump onto a Wikipedia and you'd be like, what does uncharted waters do? And I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Or no, don't do that. That makes the game way harder. And you're just like, I have no idea because this, you go on the Neo 2 like wikis and there's nothing because they've changed so much from the first one that it's not like, oh, this is what it did in the first one. It's probably the same in the second one. So um, there are a few things where I don't know if I built my character in a way that's like made it incredibly difficult for myself. Um, they've got another cool concept, which um, so you've got this like uh, you fight your bosses, the bosses and all that. And similar to Sekiro, where you've got like stamina breaking, um, you've got or posture breaking, whatever you have um, this like other realm, this like dark realm, whatever. And in that space, like you, there are all sorts of things that like affect you differently. So it's like this demon realm or whatever. And there um, Mm. you can spec your character in a way that like he benefits from that or that he's weakened in that sort of area but it like it's a way of almost like upping the difficulty in a sense because like you'll fight bosses in kind of normal normal areas and then you'll fight them in these like demon areas as well which obviously makes okay. things a lot more difficult so yeah um interesting concept in terms of like upping the difficulty so in those areas like your stamina regenerates much slower or you take more damage or so it's all sorts of like weird auras and stuff which is cool, but I'm um, yeah, thoroughly enjoying it, and the gameplay is nice and fast. One cool thing as well with the, you know, like Souls invented that whole concept of being able to pull players into your game. What they've done instead is that, um, and obviously the problem is in the player has to be alive and around in the game world, um, you know, mm. online. What they've done here instead is that when you die, you're um, like basically a... NPC version of your character. So with your stats and all that and, and your skill build is like a shrine is left there and oh. a, a character can kill or like can summon those and like challenge them. And if they win, they get um, these like cups or whatever. And the cups are then used to summon good characters. So you can summon then good characters to help you with boss fights and whatever. Um, but once again, those are also NPC characters. So yeah, they've, they've added a heck of a lot, but um, I really think anyone who's looking for, to scratch that soul's born itch, uh, will probably find everything they're looking for in Neo 2. Cool. Awesome. But um, let's jump into our hero of the week. I think this is a pretty unanimous one, unanimous one when you suggested it. Uh, do you want to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's actually from like a couple of weeks ago, but yeah, um, I thought it was, uh, you know, I, th- I thought it was great and I wanted to carry it over. So yeah. um, Mark Hamill gave a video uh a video call to a young girl who got a robotic arm transplant transplanted planted yes implanted Um, yeah yeah implanted there we go uh and it had like uh r2d2 colors and she was like a huge star wars fan so kind of as a you know in the same vein of like a -A make-a-wish foundation vibe you know he gave her a call and had a whole fat chat with her and it was really cool and super endearing and like mark hamill is just the greatest guy yeah so so yeah, we'll we'll give him a, a huge Hold round on. of applause. Your, your trophy is in the in the mail, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, I think also being one of the earliest, at least as far as I can remember, recipients of a cyborg arm uh, in in yeah. Star Wars movies. 
<laughs> uh, he would know what it's like to have to come to terms with, you know, just the, the incessant firmware updates and all the stuff that comes with having a robotic arm. Yeah, um, yeah. Our, our villain of the week, um, I'm going to split, not because um, our, our original villain doesn't deserve it, but because I've got a new villain. So the one we suggested was Harvey Weinstein, who finally has been sentenced to 23 years in prison um, for what various rapes and sexual misconduct and being and a gigantic dick for like 50 yeah. years. <laughs> but um, I suppose the good that came out of it was that he pretty much coming out of that, that was the impetus that started the whole Me Too movement, Yeah, uh, which I think a lot of um, positive has come out of that. But yeah, good that um, he's managed to find his way in prison, um, deservedly. He won't last 23 years. Um, I know the his lawyers and doctors are saying that he won't last six months. I, I don't care as long as he finishes his time there. Um, but our new villain, uh, as suggested quite recently, is anybody who's panic buying things at the moment, like going oh to stores. Oh, my God. I've actually like, got a bunch of a screenshots, like, on my phone from family groups of, yeah. like, shelves just being empty at, like, pick and pay and woolies. And I'm thinking, like, what the fuck? So, like, I... I mentioned to my partner, I was like, should, should we start panic buying? Yeah, that's buying? a problem. Like, I like, start going like, me too. Should we also like be buying stuff? Like, Do they if, know something we don't know? Yeah, like what if the toilet paper's all gone? Then like, yeah. <laughs> it has this like knock-on effect. Yeah, that's the problem with panic buying is that people like, there's no reason to. And, and the, the things I don't understand, first of all, why, okay, why toilet paper? That was the big thing because like, this is not a disease that results in any kind of, like um, <laughs> gastric consequences, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, I get it if you were like buying tissue paper because, you know, it's a severe case of the sniffles and coughing and that, I get that. But like, toilet paper, I don't understand. And then a lot of people are saying the toilet paper's all gone, but like plenty of like toilet cleaner, domestos, all the stuff that you clean the toilet. So what, you're planning to shit a hell of a lot more, but you're not planning on cleaning the thing, you know, the actual so source of the germs. So I think I cracked it. I think the reason why people mm. are panic buying stuff like toilet paper is because they suspect if they have to stay home for the next like two to three weeks, um, quarantine themselves, uh, like you can't run out of toilet paper at home if you're like, you know, that's like the biggest fear. Like if you have to be stuck yeah. in a room or like a house for like a month, like the worst that can happen is you take a shit and there's just nothing if you've got water like worst comes to worst i mean like you just like wash your hands afterwards if you have to i mean it's not like literally gonna have to i mean people are punching each other for rolls of toilet paper i mean come on i actually saw um, a, quite an endearing story on twitter yesterday where like there was a guy who was panic buying and hoarding just fucking tons of hand sanitizer yeah like 17,000 cases of yeah yeah, and uh, like Twitter tracked him down, and um, they, the the government got involved and confiscated it from him and just donated it. Yeah, so, well, there's a slightly so insidious angle to that I heard as well, and I don't know if this is tinfoil hat time, but supposedly it's uh, linked to Amazon who actually outed him um, well, because he was, yeah. he was trying to sell the stuff on Amazon, and so they outed him. And normally I'd go, oh, cool, that's great, um, kind of uh, consumer watchdog looking out, but you're going... No, uh, competition. You've got someone who's yes, like essentially right. cornered the market on supply. And we don't stop the Amazons of the world and the take lots of the world from doing that. Like when they gouge True. the prices, there's no... No, you're 100% know, right. And so it's like, why don't we have this like mob justice attitude towards them? Why aren't people raiding Amazon 
um, stockades and that sort of stuff for, for goods and donating it. I'm not saying loot and steal, but like, why aren't they coming out and donating or with every purchase of X get free hand sanitizer or whatever? They're not because it's like it's money to be made. And so we go um, in the spirit of capitalism. We go, wow, this guy tried to make a quick buck and maybe just got a little bit too selfish. You know, if you'd just gone and bought hand sanitizer and sold it at a, a normal markup, you know, that you'd expect from a store, be like, cool, well done, capitalism in play. But you try to go old, what is it, that Skrilla guy, the dude from, what's that? I can't remember his surname, he tried to like outprice all this like pharma stuff. Yeah. You remember a couple of years ago, it was some like insulin mm-hmm. medicine or whatever that he like really tore the ring out of and he went to prison because it was just like, uh-huh. you know, it's it's uncompetitive and whatever the, the I'm not sure exactly. But like, I, I get it, but part of me is kind of going, uh, that's a little bit... Um, you know, a little bit yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, hypocritical. Yeah, yeah. I think for me that we chatted before this uh, about why I don't understand the panic buying is just like um, overseas, I believe the toilet paper thing and a lot of the panic buying is because they there are a lot of cultures of full import, especially in Europe. Like they don't make the ships. They import like everything. It's all made in yeah. countries like ours. Whereas like we're an agricultural agricultural country with like lots of factories and you know what I mean? Your soap is being made, you know, by Unilever in Durban. Yeah. Your your vegetables <laughs> are coming from the farms in the Western Cape. It's not like, and that's part of why I'm speculating. These people are going, wow, why is why are the stores not putting any like, you know, uh, limits per customer, like five per customer or six per customer, whatever? It's because there's no there's no shortage of supply. The reason yeah. they put those limits on during like Black Friday is because the supplies have gone. There are only a thousand TVs. You know, you can't sell yeah. them all at one person to one price because you will run out and then people will be unhappy and they'll start fighting over TVs. There's plenty of toilet paper. You go to a store and it's empty because you've managed to finish that shop's supply. More yeah. toilet paper will arrive in like a couple of days' time and all the people who have hoarded will not have to buy for another couple of months so you'll be, have plenty. So, I, yeah, I really don't understand it. Um, that being said, I bought a fuck ton of toilet paper and beans and so I'm actually <laughs> safe. And that's why I don't understand why people are doing it now. But <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's about time we jump into some, um, some tasty um, fish-related treats. Some tasty, crumbed, bready, fish-related treats. Do you like yeah. fish sticks? Love them. You're a gay fish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, welcome back to our fish dick segment. Hey, I mean, how was my timing on that? <laughs> oh, not bad. It was literally, as it was getting too awkward for me, I started laughing, and now it looks like I was laughing at uh, the intro. Brilliant. Cool. So, uh, back to the news. We got um, the biggest, I guess, one of the biggest stories of, of uh, the week, this week, last week, is that E3 2020 has been cancelled. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That's a huge one. I mean, like E3 is the place where we get a lot of um, a lot of our news about upcoming games, about yeah. titles, about consoles. We d- we were expecting not so long ago. I, I think the well, the last podcast we we expected that Microsoft's conference at E3 was going to be pretty big, particularly for um, for the console war and the kind of like setting the bar and the goalposts for Sony, yeah. right? So it looks like. They're going to have to come up with their own plan. Um, yeah. But what I'm wondering is, if we're living in a world of 2020 without an E3, maybe that will 
that will make more developers feel like, well, why would do we even need an E3? Because a lot of them yeah. have been leaving anyway. And yeah. now it's just not happening. So I could yeah, you expect... You talk about the like, kind of like market disruption thing. You're going, yeah. are people going to ask that question? Going, did we ever, or at least maybe we ever needed it, but in the current landscape, do you need a big-ass conference you know, to promote games you know, yeah. in terms of the cost? I think the, the guys we chatted about it last time, like the guys who are really going to lose out are the indie developers who mm. aren't going to get the space to you know, rub shoulders with the big guys and get noticed by media and and the likes. I think they're, they're the suspect, ones who really lose. Yeah, I mean, what, what I suspect will happen is, let's say, um, uh, you know, Xbox and Microsoft, for instance, maybe they've been flirting with the idea of pulling out of E3 in the last couple of years, and they've thought, ah, no, fuck it, whatever, we'll just go through with it anyway, and keep those other ideas on hold. But now they'll have to actually go ahead with any plans that they have made for their own conference, and kind of push their energy into that. And if that kind of starts, that ball starts rolling, I would expect them to like just continue that the following year, like 2021. I don't see why they would then backpedal on that and be like, you know, yeah, E3 is back. Let's, you know, go back yeah, to that conference perhaps, when, perhaps. you know, most of the partners have been pulling out. And not just that, that, what's the guy's name again? The presenter of E3, he actually... um he left, he uh, announced yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, earlier he in the year, in like Jan or something, he was like, I'm basically ducking out. I don't like what's going on with the with the conference at the moment. And I will say no more about that, but peace yeah. out, basically. Didn't, yeah, I didn't announce a replacement or anything, just kind of like stepped. Stepped back. So it looked like there was a bit of shady shit going on at the background, like regardless of COVID-19 and yeah. any of this, you know, stuff. And it looks like they like they have been losing support steadily from various industry players. Yeah, I mean, it just increases a long list of events that are being cancelled. I mean, rumor has it that even Shang Tsung has cancelled um, the latest Mortal Kombat tournament, <laughs> believing that that's just he needs a safe space for both uh, Outworlders and <laughs> and the human race to be able to Earthrealm um, to be able to like compete. So they they haven't cancelled it formally; they've just postponed it. We don't know if it'll still happen this year uh, when the portal to um, to the Nether Realm opens again. Um, but yeah, nice. thoughts and prayers. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, so I guess um, a little a little feel good feel good tidbit that we can throw in here. Um, so uh, the deal between Disney and Fox uh, was sort of finalized towards the end of 2019, and um, Disney kind of bought on a lot of Fox's television properties, uh, including um, uh, but not limited to like The Simpsons, you know, yeah. Deadpool. Um, bunch of others and so we got our first simpsons marvel crossover in the latest issue of immortal hulk issue 32 um characters from the simpsons uh showed up within the pages um in surprise cameos um and there were um there were other characters but clearly inspired by bart lisa mulhouse and nelson so okay so yeah so that was kind of like the first kind of like dipping the toe into some uh, marvel crossover we might even yeah. see some, um, like, be cool if like Homer made like pitched up in an in an MCU like at some point, just as a random cameo. That that could be cool. Yeah, uh, at the very yeah. least, I mean, they they could check it in as something that's on TV that the people are watching or referencing. That's unlikely to actually see Homer appear as a character in an MCU movie. Um, so unless it's some trippy, um, you know, I'm thinking like Doctor Strange type stuff. Yeah, you know, alternate dimension sort of cameo 
opportunities there? Um, so the, one of the, so I've got a couple more stories, two fairly large ones. The first one is around Naughty Dog and the release of The Last of Us Part Two. So The Last of Us Part Two is slated to be one of Sony's biggest releases of the year. It's most likely going to be um, a launch title with the PS5. It's been speculated. Um, and there was a delay. It was supposed to be released the beginning Already, of the year. February. Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be released February. in February. And it's been delayed until, what, late September. April? September. I think September, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, um, no I'm, I'm mixing um, Cyberpunk. Yeah, it's, Cyberpunk, September. May. I think It's May. Yeah, May. So, so a lot of people are thinking, you know, um, th- there are two different kinds of delays, I guess, that we're looking at now. The first one being, yo, we don't want to have developer crunch. We want to deliver the best product possible. We need some more time to, like, iron it out, which is yeah. kind of like the good guy developer move that we all imagine CD Projekt Red is, right? They're like, this game needs more time. Give it time, you know. But what's been coming out with this story, as exposed by Jason Schreier of Kotaku, um, he did a bit of investigation, and it looks like this has just been delayed in order to have more crunch, longer crunch, leading to a lot of um, uh, lead devs um, leaving the studio. Um, and it has caused um, uh, Naughty Dog to kind of like uh, lose their reputation a bit in the industry, at least damage their yeah. reputation to the point they of... They certainly um, felt like they were like one of the nice guys. You know what I mean? They weren't the, yeah. the typical crunch um, kind of uh, you know, guilty parties. You know, like we hear of like Rockstar, for example, they've kind of like owned that moniker for a long time of being like, guys, their crunch is part of the culture. Just deal with it. 100-hour weeks, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so, I mean, this led to burnout with staff and uh, a couple of team members leaving the company. And with their reputation being so bad at the moment, um, no kind of developer, like, worth their salt really wants to go work for Naughty Dog. So Naughty Dog have had to, like, branch out beyond the video game industry and start hiring animators from the film industry and a couple of other places, which basically means that they have uh, a B slash C team that are putting the game together which actually extends your developer time because, you know, a team of uh, like veteran industry devs would be able to do the same amount of work in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. And we probably have the game by now, maybe even a year earlier. So, I mean, plus that's even kind the, of, just yeah. the normal integration of going, integrating new team members, even if they are industry veterans, is going to be slower than having a team that has worked together with each other. There's no onboarding time. You know, everyone's yeah. good to go. There's no lag phases. You have to bring on new new team members. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. Um, I think it's cool that Jason Schreier got the story out. I think it's very important to call out um, crunch and toxic work, work culture, like, mm. as it comes up. Um, because people, like, need to understand that this is not okay. And yeah. you can't just kind of sweep it under the rug and say, oh, it's our company culture. People here just love to work. You know, they just... Yeah. They're so dedicated to the projects and they just want it to be the best game that it can be. No, people also want their, you know, their they free time and, and their, week- and their weekend. And all, yeah. exactly. I think it's, it's become the exploitive idea of going, you know, these kids love video games so much. So we can just exploit the fact that um, th- they are just so lucky and happy to be working. In video- it's almost like paying for exposure. It's just like musicians yeah. love musicianing so much that they don't need to get paid to play a gig. It's a privilege for them. They're so happy. It's like, yeah, but tell that to the, you know, the food stores that they need to, you know, pay. Can't exactly. pay in those exposure bucks, you know. 
So yeah, so the biggest story of the week that I have for you, um, drumroll, has to do with um, <laughs> Sony patching things up between Kojima and Konami. So yeah. uh, Kojima famously left Konami uh, towards the end of like 2018, I believe. Um, and there was a Silent Hills project in the works that subsequently got cancelled. Uh, there was the famous PT trailer, yeah. um, playable trailer, that playable teaser that uh, was circulating the um, uh, the PSN store for a while. And that kind of all got shut down. But a lot of development that sort of started on that in terms of like art direction and um, I, I guess some of the people who was working with sort of morphed its way into Death Stranding. Um, yeah. I know that. Um, Guillermo del Toro was uh, originally supposed to be part of that project, as was Norman Reedus. They all ended up on the team that created Death Stranding. Um, but it looks like Konami has been putting the word out to developers to pitch um, uh, concepts to the studio. And from various tweets, uh, it looks like two Silent Hill games are in the works, one being a soft reboot and the other being sort of an episodic Telltale-style uh, story game. Ass. But then a couple of tweets coming out from various people that point towards perhaps um, Konami actually taking this up uh, for Sony. Um, it looks like Sony weren't too thrilled about the sales that they that they received from Death Stranding, but they are looking at um, at getting the gig from Konami and uh, sort of being the mediator between Kojima Productions and Konami to get this to get this game out. So there was one tweet coming from. Um, Masaharo Ito, uh, so he's the art director on Silent Hills 1, 2, and 3, and he said he's working on a title as a core member. Hope this title won't get cancelled. A bit, you know, cryptic. It uh, could be anything, yeah. but it seems to be referring to Silent Hills since that game was cancelled. And then in Jan 27th, um, Konami uh, was reached out to uh, regarding this tweet and um, kind of these rumors going around and said, we cannot share anything at this point, but we are listening to customer feedback and considering ways to provide the next title. I mean, it's mm. a it's a very um, like corporate response. Yeah, vague political. It's like response. saying something without really saying anything. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah having said that, that, they could deny it or or corroborate. Exactly, it, it, yeah. it like leaves their options open. Um, but the kind of the biggest hint uh, comes from Rely on Horror, where it looks like um, they tweeted saying that they have multiple sources saying that Silent Hills reboot, Silent Hill series reboot, and Silent Hills revival are both in the works by Sony. So it looks like Sony is pitched for that, and they'll probably be outsourcing that work to um, Kojima Productions. Um, Hideo Kojima did tweet. Uh, towards the end of last year, saying that he was working on a horror game, and in order to get his headspace um, there, he's been watching like a lot of old Japanese horrors. He likes to watch the scary, mm. scary stuff. So, so yeah, man. Question: I know, I know, we all enjoy a good tin hat conspiracy, tin foil hat conspiracy. So here, here's one I'm I'm cooking up. All of a sudden, so I'm not saying in reaction to last week's podcast, but. The rumors going around that Sony has kind of like doesn't really have an identity at the moment for the next gen. And so um, it feels like a lot of these stories are almost linked in the sense you're going, you've got Naughty Dog who are pushing for arguably one of the PS4's biggest, you know, launches of the year um, in Last of Us 2 and the, a big launch title for PS5 who are now suddenly out of what was the history of being good guys in this crunch culture? 
where where would this pressure come from? I'm speculating a Sony who's going, where the fuck is our game? We need this game yeah. because it's part of our identity. Then you've got some of the PS, you know, history's um, strongest um, titles, such as um, the Silent Hill series. All of a sudden, put in so much effort to patch things up between Konami and Kojima, where if you see things like the the way he exited after like what yeah, um, yeah. Metal Gear, they were like never speaking to again. So, Oof. you know, it's weird what a dump truck full of money can do to get people on the same table. Yeah, where would that money come from? Where would that money come from? A certain party that's desperate for exclusive because they need some yeah. sort of identity going into this next generation. Uh, yeah, tinfoil hat time, but it, it feels like maybe part of it is going, we rely on exclusives. We need these exclusives. Go out and find them because, I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, it looks like Sony's had a lot of success with um, like leaning onto um, or at least leaning into uh, titles, leaning into our nostalgia for like yeah. great old titles, you know, like God of War, like those three yeah. words, just like that game was going to sell regardless of how good it was, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, the reboot just allowed it to have a future, if you know what I mean, like because they rebooted and went in a different direction, it allows us to have another two or three titles. Whereas if exactly. I think if they didn't reboot, it would have still sold millions, but it would have been kind of like, oh, this is the end. We've done this action-packed kind of 80s action hero style, you know, protagonist. We're done with, yeah. you know, the one-dimensional, you know, aggro boy sort of yeah, idea. Yeah, I mean, which we saw as the death of let's take it. Let's be honest. Um, Duke Nukem, like Duke yeah. Nukem, didn't die as much because it was a bad game as much as it died because people don't care about that, like protagonist archetype anymore yeah yeah so like, like a very serious sam type type it was like yeah, the same yeah, yeah. thing right yeah so i mean it's the same can be said then for you know uh like like resident evil reboot for instance yeah. and now this kind of um final Not fantasy 7 reboots soon, right yeah, so all these, all all these reboots hitting those nostalgia notes of games that we used to love and being like it is on this console get it while it's yeah. hot you know yeah it actually, when you put it that, it almost feels like a, a little bit desperate, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> you know, from the makers of Hangover 3 comes, new ideas are hard. Let's just, <laughs> um, let's just do the same thing, reboot it, you know, put a little bit of effort in. It's not just a, a remaster, it's a total reboot, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nothing new. But um, thanks for the uh, fish sticks. Tasty as welcome, always. Sir. Some some really good stories there. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but I do want to jump into a story and a conversation that we we chatted about uh, over the last week, which is China have recently uh, implemented. It's not quite a curfew, but it's almost like rationing, but not in the the sense that you'd expect during this um, COVID nineteen coronavirus sort of rationing thing. They are putting in limitations on how much gaming uh, their young gamers, so gamers under the age of 18, are allowed to play. And that is 90 minutes a day and no later than 10 p.m. So um, we dug a little bit, bit into the, the reasons for it. You might speculate it was a productivity thing. It might have been, uh, you know, the, the addictive nature of video games or that, you know, kids are just spending too much time when they should be focusing on homework or schoolwork or socializing or, you know, praising the um, communist machine that is China. 
But the reason, a lot of it is linked to eyesight, supposedly screen time yeah. and short-sightedness. Which, yeah, um, so, 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 so yeah. Like so, padding. I thought the other reasons <laughs> were far more, I thought the other reasons felt like far more like, oh, okay, those make sense. But short-sightedness is like, seems like a rather weak argument in comparison. Yeah, to a rise in short-sightedness and poor academic performance. Mm. Um, so I, this is, there's actually more to this. I just uh, I've got the article open here in front of me, and it says um, so. No playing video games after 10 p.m. No more than 90 minutes of gaming on weekdays, and also um, they want to put a restriction on the amount of uh, MTX and add-ons and in-game purchases that kids can buy as well, with uh, with a cap, a monthly cap of fifty-seven dollars. So you can't spend any more than $57 on um, in-game purchases either okay. per month. Yeah. So there's that as well, which is, which is also kind of bizarre. I mean, like, I, I'm not someone who goes like splurging around on in-app purchases, but I mean, like, obviously with a rise in gaming, at least I wouldn't say a rise, like a huge, just huge gaming culture in China in general yeah. amongst the youth, I would assume that that goes along with huge amounts of spending whether that is conscious or unconscious spending on microtransactions, you know, in, in video games in general. And China might be seeing a lot of kind of money just kind of like dribbling, trickling out of their economy over the past couple of years due to kids just buying skins, man. Yeah, fair enough. And I presume buying things overseas, you know, like for a lot of these games that aren't, um, you know, locally based. I suppose, you know, the way China works in terms of the internet, it's probably still like, even if you're buying Fortnite skins, you've got to buy it through some sort of local um, kind of store. But I mean, that's speculation. I don't know enough about that. I think for me, what's interesting is going, they have a massive esports professional scene. How yeah. does that impact that area? I mean, is this whole thing just like really angry moms and dads just shouting into a tornado? Like, is it actually going to do anything? Um, to be fair, any country that could possibly pull this off would be China and North Korea Definitely. Uh, in the sense of like just absolute control of their population. I mean, all, all credit to them as much as this coronavirus got out. Like you look at the kind of almost militant level of, of quarantine that they managed to implement is because of a how China works and also how, I don't want to say obedient, but how almost um, national nationalist Chinese are in the sense of being able to go like if it's for the good of the country then we do this and so it's yeah. like if the country decides that it's for the good of the country the kids don't play more than an hour and a half of games then it will happen like that's the weird thing and so and then go, I'm wondering yeah, it sucks, also sucks that our pros will not be able to play as much or they'll leave to be able to play but um you know people will implement this if they believe it's for the good of the country yeah so Two comments on that. So I think that um, when it comes to the pro gaming scene, um, knowing kind of the way China operates, I would expect them to uh, give exception to gaming houses where like this is these kids like jobs, you know, yeah. because as much as they uh, I, I think China is all for like population control in terms of, you know, down to the down to like the finer details, you know, of of like playtime per week per child yeah. of a certain age, they also have a sense of like national pride, which is like we pride ourselves in being the best at like StarCraft, 
you know, yeah. uh, or like having like a lot of trophies for gaming because like, you know, China is just, you know, we, we, we're really good at gaming. So I can see them also incentivizing that or at least like giving um, allowances to various gaming houses where they'd have to like register as a professional player, show their credentials, prove their credentials, and then have like a license to yeah. play during various the hours. professionals are allowed to play longer because it's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's like your job. And yeah. um, no, sorry, Karen. No, no, no. I I, I think that that's that's probably where things are gonna gonna go. I, it feels weird the timing as well. That so this gets announced and then Corona happens and people are expected to quarantine. But you're like, but you can't play video games for more than an hour and a half. It's just like, good God, what do you want from me? Like, stay at home or or don't play video games. I can't do you know, can't not do both. Like. <laughs> So what I'm wondering is, like, how is this going to be policed or enforced? I mean, like, if you catch someone playing more than their 90, you know, minutes during the weekday, yeah, you you pass up the chain, tell them they just disappear and, like, their entire extended family just disappears, like, three generations gone. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And all all trace of their lineage is removed from from the planet as well. Yeah, I think it's actually, um, it's in Korea, right? North Korea, if you uh, break one of the rules, you get caught. It's not just you that gets punished, but like two or three generations. Oh, like your children hectic. also get punished. And your grandparents, yeah, no, it's nuts. <laughs> it's really hectic. So, I mean, a different country, but, you know. <laughs> so I guess the question then is, how does one, you know, not that, not that we have those sort of things in here. I think we're far more, uh, as much as we are a conservative country, a far more liberal in terms of uh, controlling people's entertainment and, and that sort of stuff. You know, we're not a country that, you know, easily implements things like curfews or rationing or, I mean, no. and this, isn't a country, this isn't a country where we have load shedding and yet there's no like, you know, you'd think when power's on, we would ration people as in X amount of units and after that you pay through the teeth. It's, we don't do that when there's, um, you know, water restrictions. We just, what we just tell people don't use water. There's no like your water gets cut off after a certain amount. So we're not the type of country who's going to implement this sort of thing. So, you know, with that in mind, how do people limit their gaming time? First of all, what do you think is an appropriate amount of game time per day? Per day, you know, I'd say like uh, anywhere between like one to three hours. But because I'm a gamer to the layman, that, that might seem like a lot. You know, someone would be like, how can you play like three hours of gaming a day? And I'd say like really fucking easily. I yeah, could go geez. five, but I just don't have the time. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, my kid goes like, to bed at, at like seven-ish. And then my wife and I spend time till like eight, eight thirty. And then I jam till like 11. So it's like two and a half hours. And I yeah, could go for longer. It's just that I know that I'm going to wear it the next day if I do. Yeah. Yeah, and and I've I have gone longer, you know. I've I've definitely yeah, pulled like some of those all nighters, <laughs> but yeah, um, we've chatted about that before. But for me now, it it gets to a point where like, um, you know, my my partner wants to spend time with me in the evenings, and so that's <sighs> the you know, nerve of it. The nerve <laughs> of it. <laughs> you know, and then watch series together. I'm like, oh god, really? Okay, fine. And then we got to do that, and then like, cool. Can I go play now? I was <laughs> <laughs> like, so a little bit of that. Yeah, a uh, little bit of that actually. Yeah, I'm, happening. Feel, I'm feeling. Oh, t- Tim, I'm feeling a little bit tired. That's okay. You need rest. You've got a big day tomorrow. It's Saturday tomorrow. Big Saturday tomorrow. We're not doing anything. We should do things tomorrow. Like, I'm going yeah, to so, go to bed. I'm going to game. 
So I asked on my PS4 group as well, just yeah. out of um, curiosity, like how people sort of manage their own time. Um, a couple of them have kids and they say, you know, kids actually end up managing time for you because it's kind of breaks up your day into uh, various curfews and blocks. You know, you've got uh, you got bath time, you got supper time, you got bedtime, you got the, all that kind of stuff. And then while when that's all over, you've got a couple hours left to like play your game and pass out. So I'm sure you can sort of attest to that as well, right? I can indeed. Um, so I think it's one of those things of going, uh, you, yeah, it's almost like self-rationed. I think that's, that's the idea is, I, I think often of going the fact that I'm an adult now, at least by definition, and um, they, I should be able to, if I wanted to, just binge for 18 hours a day if I wanted to, you know, and you think back to times when you did, you know, do those kind of all-nighter, all-weekend games, you played so much because it almost felt like you're a dog let off the leash because like a parent allowed you to do that. Yeah. You know, usually it's like you get your hour of screen time or two hours or whatever, and then suddenly this one weekend you're landing at a mate's house and it's like 50 hours of gaming and you didn't want to sleep because you're like, oh, when I go back to my house, it'll be back to one or two hours a day. So yeah. you just gamed all the time. Now that you're and an adult, your eyes you can. Are burning. Yeah, and now as an adult, you can literally all the time. There's no police stopping you, except maybe in China. And it's one of those <laughs> things where you don't because it feels almost like, eh, I can do this whenever I want, so I won't. It's, it's a weird concept. I guess it's the, the closest analogy I can do is it's like chocolate cake for breakfast. You're going, literally, Tim, nothing is stopping you. You can go, you know, if you <laughs> go, get a yeah. chocolate cake and have it for breakfast. But what stops you? Because, you know, you don't really want to have chocolate cake for breakfast. It's more of a afternoon or after dinner thing. It's, you know what I mean? So it's the same with gaming, I guess. You go, you self-limit. You know, I've often talked to parents where I go like, you know, how do they stop their kids playing so many games? Part of it's kind of like force them to, you know, make it yeah. you know we're talking about this like career thing tell them that like did you know that carl uh, bugger gearsdorf or whatever earned three million dollars when he was 16 where are you you're 18 and you <laughs> haven't earned a cent get in there and train and practice and i want to see results mister nothing will stop them gaming faster yeah exactly than putting kpis and performance measures in uh to their gaming like you got to work on that smg game boy Oh, dude, of course, man. Your long game is okay, but up close and personal, the SMGs, your pistol game is weak. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, like, I'm also thinking, you know, 90 minutes feels, I don't know, it feels like a bit short. I feel like they should, like, extend it to 120. I don't know, like, how yeah. do you, it, you'd dude, have also, to, like, like fit compare in, that like, to TV. Compare that to TV. 90 minutes is, like, what, two episodes of a series. Tell me when you watch yeah, two exactly. episodes or something. Yeah, the last time I did that. Uh, but it, <laughs> it's also like you know what if you play like two games of dodo or whatever and they end up going to like you know 50 minutes each and oh, you're yeah. like halfway through the next game and then you're fucked because it's like yeah. guys i gotta go or the government's gonna bust my door down <laughs> <laughs> i'm being like, swatted oh, fuck. <laughs> vp vp fucking punish yeah. this this lever oh god can't can't uh, can't queue up with like chinese servers anymore because like these kids all gotta go to bed man everyone's <laughs> <laughs> playing turbo mode yeah Cool. So um, I think we, we need to wrap up there. Um, but uh, obviously, interesting to to see, you know, the the way China you know, goes with that sort of stuff. They obviously did the, the one child policy. And if you can manage to stop people having children, you can certainly stop them playing more than 90 minutes of video games. So 
you know, let's see see how things uh, progress and that and what kind of impact it has on the esports scene. You know, does it have a like you said, professional license sort of thing, or are people just going to go fuck it, I'm out, and they go to let's be honest, plenty of other neighboring countries that would happily accept pro level Chinese gamers. Let's be honest, like yeah, uh, South Korea is yeah. like you know very short flight away, for example. Um, but yeah, as always. This has been the Gaming Guru Podcast. I've been Gareth Woods, and I've been joined by Tim, 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 Tim Lester, all the way down in Cape Town. If you want to drop us a line, Twitter is the best bet at guru underscore podcast. And, of course, you can grab this podcast wherever good podcasts are kept. The list keeps growing. We're on, uh, amongst others, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, uh, iTunes, Iona, Spotify, you name it. Uh, We are there. And as always, uh, it's been great chatting to you about games and various geekery across the internet. And if Corona doesn't kill us, we will see you all next week. Ooh, baby.